radical left has taken over the Democratic Party. Quick note before we start the episode, uh, we had Emily Voigt on as our guest for today. And for some dumb reason, we could not get the audio correct. So you're going to hear a lot of crackling in her audio. And it's all on our end. And we just want to sincerely apologize for the bad audio for this. So thanks, Emily, for being on. You're an awesome trooper. And again, sorry for all this. But still, it's an awesome interview. So please enjoy. I tried my best. I blame (laughs) voice meter, banana. Screw you, banana. It's not me. Hello, and welcome to Think Progressively, covering politics and all the other chaos life has to offer. This is episode 34, recorded on Thursday, April 29th from Milwaukee. I'm Joe. And I'm Jason. And on today's episode, we have special guest Emily Voigt to talk about Wisconsin's healthcare system. But first, the headlines. The fact is that everything he's saying so far is simply a lie. I'm not here to call out his lies. Everybody knows he's a liar. Up first in headlines, today marks Biden's first 100 days in office. He commemorated his first 100 days while doing a joint address to Congress recently, where he touted his 200 million vaccine doses administered and officially introduced the American Families Plan. Jason, how do you think about that um, joint address? I always like what Biden says. I'm just waiting for him to actually do most of it. He didn't mention anything about the filibuster. He did not. I don't know how he thinks he's going to get his American Families Plan passed. I He brought up $15 minimum wage again. He did. I don't know how he's going to get that passed. Got to get rid of the filibuster. To me, that's that's the important part. I, I like what he has to say. He's been, his policies that he's proposed have been way more progressive than I would have expected from Joe Biden, so I'm happy for that. Sure. But until he actually does it, it really doesn't matter. Well, and let's let's talk about this, too. So Biden's first 100 days, in your honest opinion, how would you grade his performance? I'm, I'm a pretty, uh, pretty rough teacher. You're, you're a when stickler. It comes to, yeah, like I'm pretty. I would I would give him a B minus. OK, so far. I mean, the covid he's handling well. I think the important parts coming up now that we're hitting this critical mass of everyone who was concerned and wanted to get the vaccine is getting it. And we're going to have to figure out a way to drag another 40% of the country kicking and screaming. Mm -hmm. So how he handles that is going to be the most important part to the vaccine rollout, because the people that have gotten it so far, we're always going to get it. They didn't really need any encouragement. Now we have to get the people that need encouragement. And I I know he's taken some criticism. Oh, he's always wearing a mask. That's stupid. He should show people that you don't have to wear a mask after you get vaccinated. But again, if you know the science, well, that's not how know messaging works either. What the medical professionals are saying, we're not to that point yet. Yep. And to get to that point, we need roughly seventy percent of the population to be vaccinated. Then we're kind of out of the woods. We still have to worry about the rest of the world. And one of the things that Biden did say in his speech is, once we get to the point where we don't need most of our vaccine stockpile for our own citizens. We're going to start distributing them. That he will distribute it to the rest of the world, which is very important, and I'm glad Well, and it needs it right that. now, too. I mean, especially yeah, you see places India, like India. Yeah. Because all that's going to do is breed variants and mutations of the virus that could be still harmful to people that are vaccinated mm-hmm. and could basically 
cause all of this vaccine rollout and these 200 million doses administered to be for nothing. So again, very nice. I, I So far, he's passing on COVID, although, you know, the, the, the final exam, or at least the midterm exam, I guess, is coming up here. So we'll see how he does there. Everything else, he lost $15 minimum wage, didn't really fight to keep it. I don't like that. Didn't really address the big issue there so far. He's kind of failed to really talk about the filibuster. Mm-hmm. Hasn't done anything to address the stolen Supreme Court seat. Nope. Did get the American Rescue Plan passed, which I would give him an A for that one. But again, we lost $15 minimum wage off of that. Mm-hmm. I, it's kind of an incomplete, but if We're- I had to grade him so far, B minus. How much do you give weight to like the American Jobs Plan that we covered recently? I mean, it hasn't gone it hasn't through. Pa- it. So, I mean, so I'm nothing. not gonna. So to, as of right now, they're just it's just a proposal, right? It really depends on what stays, if and when it gets passed. Because it's nice to have proposals. Again, he proposed fifteen dollars minimum wage in the rescue plan. It didn't pass, so I can't give him credit for that. So it really is up to what actually stays in the bill when it gets through. So I'm, I. I we talked about it in a previous episode, what we thought about the proposals. Mm-hmm. Good, maybe not as, doesn't go as far as I'd like it to, but, and then we'll even see if he gets that much through. And to me, that's the real test of a president is how is he able to get people in line with what he wants? How is he able at bringing everybody on board? He was supposed to be the president of unity. And I'm not going to really dismiss him if it's truly like you're not going to get any republican support we've seen that already Mm -hmm. but how is he going to get around that fact right did you see tim scott's rebuttal at all i did not watch that okay it was an absolute mess at least in my opinion where he tried blaming biden for how COVID is right now he tried praising trump for anything good that happened with covid well trump himself invented the vaccine (laughs) I mean, for God's sakes, like, now, uh, this wasn't a Tim Scott thing, but you even have Republicans who are trying to say Biden's current climate proposal is trying to limit eating hamburgers to once a month. Did you see that? Yeah. yeah. So, like, and they had to meet, like, well, they had to retract it, you know, on the, <laughs> you know, in the first thing in the morning the next day when no one's watching, like, oh, we were wrong about this. But it's so dumb. Like, there were arguments that Republicans are making now against Biden are just such a big stretch. That there's just no cohesion anywhere. And again, this actually goes right back to the idea of like what Trump was doing right before he, he lost the election because they had absolutely no plan. There was no real message. And apparently they just think that's what the Republicans should be doing right now. It's just floundering around like a bunch of idiots. No, the only message was try to give money to corporations and don't do anything else and then just be dicks. Well, and that's the big thing too. So like in Tim Scott's rebuttal, he talked about how he was for, or Republicans were for, infrastructure. It's like, we're all for building infrastructure. We're all for fixing our infrastructure, man. But we don't want to tax corporations. And he literally, that's what he said in the rebuttal. So now you have Republicans saying, yes, we should get this infrastructure bill done, which was a great you know, win for Biden. But now saying, but we don't like the common people. We want, we want the corporations to keep all their money. I mean, they were paid to give them that tax cut. They don't want to see it go away. Right. I would probably personally, I would go a little bit higher than you. I think I would go with a B plus for my grading where I was much more surprised of what Biden actually has been able to accomplish and even just 
propose was more progressive than I ever thought he was going to be. I'm so close to getting him that A minus. I don't know what point value you would say an A minus is, but he's like one point down below an A minus. Like he just screwed up something. Like he got one question wrong. Therefore, he got um, a B plus instead of an A minus for me. So he's at an 89 versus it, a 90. Is that what it is? I don't I, know. It's been a long time since I was in school, Joe, but I, <laughs> I, I, I'm uh, somewhere around there. So, yeah, whatever it is, he just missed an A minus. For our next story, we're going to run down some. They'll say less than intelligent people that feel the need <laughs> to let everyone know that uh, they are stupid. Yeah, that they are less than intelligent. And we will start here in the state of Wisconsin uh, with our own worst senator, Ron Johnson. What did he do this time? Oh, according to him. And I have written down here, Ron Johnson doesn't think. And then I kind of stopped it at that because I'm pretty sure that's where it should end. But. Uh, that everyone should get vaccinated. Oh, why? Because it's expensive, and oh. we shouldn't have big governments. And oh. people that are healthy shouldn't get vaccinated. And also, if you're elderly and you've already had COVID, like Ron Johnson, he also does not want to get vaccinated because apparently he knows more than all of the researchers who are not sure how much immunity actually having covid previously confers to you of course he knows better he's done his own he's got his own labs i'm sure <laughs> and he's done the research and and he's immune so he's not going to get vaccinated so i would definitely you know not be within six feet of ron johnson at any point because who knows what he's harboring well and, he, and here's the quote that got a lot of attention from this Quote from Ron Johnson, if you have a vaccine, quite honestly, what do you care if your neighbor has one or not? What's it to you? It does not understand. That's not how vaccines work, you <laughs> freaking ignoramus. Oh, my God. And these are the same people that couldn't stop saying herd immunity six, seven months ago. And now all of a sudden they don't understand what it is. Well, I guess they didn't really understand what it was then either. But again, this is where my entire argument of how the free market is complete BS because Again, if this if these people who want a government out of our lives and we should trust the general public of the people, they would be the first ones who would be understanding and pushing for vaccinations. Yet they're standing in the way and actively making everything worse. If you want life to go back to normal, like we all do, then get your vaccine. That's the only way it's going to happen. And speaking of getting your vaccine and someone stupid who <laughs> who is saying not to get vaccines, we have Joe Rogan. I think he's had a little bit too much DMT. So while Ron Johnson's talking about how old people shouldn't shouldn't get the vaccine, we have Joe Rogan saying that if you're young, you shouldn't get the vaccine. Now, for those of you who don't know who Joe Rogan is, that's no, all. That's no basically one. it. There, there's nothing really to know about him. <laughs> he was the Fear Factor host. He was a UFC guy for a while. He's a meathead. He is still, I believe, the UFC announcer. He's not a fighter, although he. It's there's a whole thing there. He. Uh, does some training and and definitely looks like he's taken some steroids uh he's not a fighter he's actually the ufc commentator you don't know all your ufc joe no i don't unfortunately sorry and also the biggest podcaster in the world yep i was just, just got that huge spotify deal most popular podcast joe rogan experience uh if you saw the clip of elon musk uh, smoking a sm joint yeah smoking a joint that was on the joe rogan show he also has alex jones he's a big conspiracy guy well he i was just gonna say this too like 
and he's a big perpetuator of conspiracy theories and right-wing talking points. Now, And he's not a right-wing um, commentary. He does describe himself as a liberal, kind of. I don't know what he considers going on in his head, but the idea that he wants to have an open dialogue that he just brings on crazy people to talk about stuff all the time. And again, I want to reiterate, he is the biggest podcaster right now. Any ancient aliens guy. I've literally, he will push any conspiracy theory he comes into contact with. So let's talk about this guy's, you know, this expert's attitude on vaccines. Quote, I think you should get vaccinated if you're vulnerable. I think you should get vaccinated if you feel like my parents are vaccinated. I've encouraged a lot of people to get and people say, do you think it's safe to get vaccinated? I've said, yeah, I think for the most part, it's safe to get vaccinated. I do. I do. Still good. That's great. But he goes on. But if you're like 21 years old and you say to me, should I get vaccinated? I'll go. No. Are you healthy? Are you a healthy person? Like, look, don't do anything stupid, but you should take care of yourself. You should. If you're a healthy person and you're exercising all the time and you're young and you're eating well, like, I don't think you need to worry about this. Don't listen to Joe Rogan, kids. Well, and they go on to even talk about how they're not going to use their kids for an experimental drug or vaccine treatment. It's not just an experiment. Oh, my God. They know nothing about research trials. Nothing. (laughs) And again... He's like, well, I told my parents that they should get vaccinated because obviously he cares about his parents being safe. If you want your parents to stay safe, then get your kids vaccinated. Everyone should get vaccinated because we need to eliminate COVID from the general population in order for everyone to truly be safe. And one of the biggest ways viruses spread is through our school system. So we need to make sure that when kids go to school, even in college, they need to be vaccinated. And exercising and diet has nothing to do with it. He said he's like, well, my immune system can handle it. Well, this is the Margie Taylor (laughs) Green defense. I can do crazy, stupid push-ups. Therefore, I'm great. I'm immune. Yeah, that's not how your immune system is not a muscle. You can't boost it. You can't do anything. But if I take these supplements, man. (laughs) You know how you boost your immune system against COVID? You get vaccinated. That is literally what you're doing. That's that's your supplement. Just call it a supplement. Yeah, for a guy who will smoke and snort literally any substance he can get his hands on by the looks of him, I don't understand why he's got such a problem with a vaccine. Tries to sell goofy supplements all the time on his channel. So he did walk this back after all the backlash. Get some alpha brain. Right. Don't take that vaccine, though. It's not safe. (laughs) So, And he did say... Quote, I'm not a doctor and I'm not a respected source of information. I'm a moron. Oh, that's true. Dude, you have the biggest podcast in the entire country. For God's sakes, Jason and I are not experts. We're not medical experts by any means. We do not have any fancy degrees or anything. Or any degree in my case. Sure. But we at least know to fact check ourselves before we go on and just saying anything to the general public. And we have very few listeners. So imagine if someone who just didn't do any research at all and just said any stupid thing that came into their head to millions of people. It is my expert opinion that Joe Rogan is an idiot. Man, I just made myself upset because (laughs) I just realized that's the exact thing what happened for Trump to become president. Oh, God, I hate stupid people. Well, we have one more. Oh, no. Is it vaccine related? Uh, It's not vaccine related. All right. But it is definitely Google his last name. Rick Santorum, former Pennsylvania representative and senator. And CNN, like moderator or something like that, too, sometimes. And again, Google his last name. 
He had some interesting comments in his recent talk to the conservative group, the Young Americas Foundation. Okay. His quote was, We came here and created a blank slate. We birthed a nation from nothing. I mean, there was nothing here. I mean, yes, we have Native Americans. (laughs) But candidly, there isn't much Native American culture in American culture. Oh my God! (laughs) Which, I mean, yeah, because we tried to eliminate it and force children into schools that would indoctrinate them away from their culture. And we, you know, killed millions of Native Americans. You know, genocide. If you genocide somebody... They're not really going to be part of your culture anymore. There is so much going on in this quote. Oh, my God. Okay, first off, I want to ask. And I love the term, bir- we birthed the nation. Like, well, right, for- that's a bad, like, you <laughs> That's a very bad homage. Yeah. But I want to, how do you create a blank slate? Yeah. When did you, you come I mean, genocide, a- right? That is one way that you create a blank slate. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> And for record, this was all based on the idea that we came from Judeo-Christian values. That was the whole point of this speech, where, or the point he was trying to make with this, where it's like, well, there was nothing really here. And then, it, I mean, yeah, Native Americans were here, but they were, you know, like, brown and, you know, not good. So we came here and gave him Jesus. He didn't say savages. I'll give him that. Man, he's like two degrees off. You know, in his head, it was like, don't say savage. Don't say savages. Man. But candidly, you know what he said? Candidly, someone should have just yelled, don't say it. Don't say it. (laughs) There isn't much Native American culture in American culture, which, like, again, try as they might to erase it. We live in Wisconsin. We're in Waukesha County. Native American cultures. I drive a Jeep Cherokee. Well, and even then. We've been trying to do this, not like we as in just you and me, but like groups have been trying to have better relationships with Native Americans and indigenous people in this country for decades now. And at every step, again, people push back on those movements. Hey, try not to name your um, football team after a racial slur. How dare you do that to (laughs) us? Hey, let's not memorialize the guy that came in and committed tons of genocide. We're keeping Christopher Columbus Day. What are you talking about? We're actively trying to suppress it today. Oh, you're a So all three of those people suck. That's awful. I hate all that. Are there some good news? Can I have some good news? All right. I'll give you some good news. All right. This week, Wisconsin Attorney General Josh Call announced a statewide investigation into clergy abuse. <sighs> Is that good? I mean. It's good that they're looking into it. It's not good that it happened a bunch. What's happening? What's what's going on with this story? I'm what more clergy abuse is going on right now? It's not that there have been. I mean, I'm sure it's happening every day, to be honest. But it's not that an event happened to trigger this. Okay, what they're doing is trying to collect all of the statements, even from people that have contacted them previously. They just want to get a collection of reports of abuse, and they're going to. Check that against what the records are for those institutions and basically try to get a picture of what the churches have been doing about it, what their records show, and basically trying to hold them accountable if they covered things up or maybe moved people around to different districts without notifying anyone Mm -hmm. about their history of abuse, those types of things. So, of course... You would immediately think of the Catholic Church, and 
They have a statement. All right. The Catholic Church does. Yes. Okay. In a prepared statement, Jerry Topzuski, I'm going to say. I'm half Polish and I don't, the names still elude me. Chief of Staff to the Archbishop of Milwaukee said the church has concerns about the negative impact this could have on abuse survivors. Oh, really? Because the publicity has the potential to re-victimize individuals, unlike Uh sending predator priests out into other areas that would also create victims. There is no evidence that the church as a whole and the Archdiocese of Milwaukee hasn't already taken all possible steps in addressing issues surrounding clergy sexual abuse. Okay, now I want to know, how is that even demonstrable? <laughs> like, and I know we... a lot of people that would beg to differ with that. Well, right, but how do you say there's no evidence that we've taken all possible steps? What, what statement even is that? And it's very evident that you have taken steps to cover it up. And in fact, the person that was the Archbishop of Milwaukee is now a cardinal. And he definitely presided over the, one of the worst abuse scandals in American history mm-hmm. that took place under his watch. And he got multiple promotions for it. We also do not understand the legal basis for the inquiry. Well, the legal basis is when you rape children... That's illegal. And you're going to get investigated for that. (laughs) That would be the legal basis, the fact that it's illegal to do those things. So again, if you can, don't support the Catholic Church. Or any church, just to be safe. (laughs) Sure. This investigation will cover all clergy abuse, and it. they even said if you have a non-denominational or secular abuse that you'd like to report, they will take your statement as well. Okay. Uh, If you have information about abuse, even if you've already reported the incidents, you're encouraged to contact the Department of Justice at supportsurvivors.widoj.gov or by calling 1-877-222-2620. There is also the Survivors Network for Those Abused by Priests, or SNAP. Which we've worked with in the past, and I highly recommend them. And there is also a another foundation called Nate's Mission, uh, which is being run by Peter Isley, who oh, we've okay. worked with yeah. previously, and is also affiliated with SNAP. Yep, as well. So contact the DOJ, contact one of those two groups for support. Get the help you need. Make sure that your abuser is held accountable, and uh, that's. That's about all you really can do. And stop giving your money to bad organizations. Now, Jason, this is some good news. I like this. What is that? <laughs> According to the Associated Press, feds raid Giuliani's home office, escalating criminal probe. Rudolph Giuliani, you say? The man, the myth, the legend. I believe also one of his aides uh, was, uh, Giuliani does have aides, was raided as well. According to the AP, New search warrants were requested and executed over Giuliani's former ties to Ukraine, thus formally escalating these charges even further. They searched his Madison Avenue apartment and his Park Avenue office. It is very unusual for an attorney to have their home and office raided, if you remember. that We're kind of getting that same storyline with Michael Cohen, uh, another of Trump's lawyers. This is the second Trump lawyer that has had their office raided. Only the best people. <laughs> Only work with the best. And they generally need 
pretty high authorization in the Justice Department in order to execute a search warrant on an attorney uh, because of the sensitive nature of a lot of the documents that they're going to have. So this is not something that's generally done lightly, and it signals that they think they they probably have enough to charge him with, but not guaranteed. Yeah, we'll see. Giuliani's I'm just happy it happened. Very well connected. Yep. Obviously. And unsurprisingly, Giuliani is not very happy with this whole thing. In a statement issued from his lawyer, Giuliani accused federal authorities of a quote corrupt double standard and running roughshod over the constitutional rights of anyone involved in or legally defending former President Donald J. Trump. There was probably so much black liquid dripping off of his face. <laughs> just sweating profusely. Just We expect a press conference in front of a nearby landscaping company at any moment. Hey, I'm sure they'll give him a good deal. Well, let's move to our final headline tonight. Do we have to? And I swear I put this in as a joke yesterday. <laughs> Just to poke fun at Joe, who is a Packer fan. I'm a Vikings fan, even though I was born and raised in Wisconsin. Uh-huh. I said, how many quarterbacks are the Packers going to take in the first round of the draft tonight? Just as a joke, the last year they traded up and drafted Jordan Love, which started a huge thing, seeing as how, you know, the one thing they didn't need was a quarterback. Mm-hmm. Uh, looks like they might need to take another one this year. Oh, you don't you don't want to talk about this story that Aaron Rodgers is, said that he doesn't want to play for the Packers anymore, according to multiple sources. Yeah, according to Adam Schefter of ESPN, Rodgers says he's so disgruntled with the Packers leadership that he wants to leave the team, and I'm fine. He's what? pretty much going to have to retire, right, or sit out for a year because they can't trade him they don't have a cap space yeah i mean honestly i don't think anything's gonna happen i i think you're gonna see a lot of this blow over i if it does work out in some weird way that he goes to a different team i just i'd be surprised i think they just end up restructuring his deal right they'll have to probably trade jordan love much like the patriots did with garoppolo (laughs) when uh, tom brady wasn't happy that they drafted his replacement Ugh. But it's fun. I figured I would add it in there. Yeah, it's we don't, so fun. We don't normally this talk about fun. sports, but uh, just a little fun story to round out the headlines. It's so much negativity here. Just wanted a feel-good story that everyone could be positive about. Ooh, I hate you. <laughs> that was really a pro- productive segment, wasn't it? It's hard to get any word in with this clown. Our special guest is an educator, an activist, and former candidate for Wisconsin State Assembly. Being a mother, she primarily ran on fixing and expanding Badger Care, Wisconsin's health care system, which is precisely the topic we're going to talk about today. So please, welcome to the show, Emily Voigt. Emily, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you? Good. I'm so glad you were able to come on to the show and talk to us about this. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. So let's start a little bit about your story, how you got involved in politics, and what do you think is your big political goals as of right now? All right. Well, I've actually been involved in politics since I was really little. Um, Kind of, I guess you would say, not by my 100% choice. My dad became a city council member in Appleton the year I was born. So it's just been a part of my life, my my whole life. Um, He was on the city council for a number of years, was the city council president of Appleton. He ran for mayor. 
and lost. And then he decided to run for state treasurer and won. And so um, I've had to go to parades, stuff envelopes, you know, all that good stuff that comes with being the candidate's kid. Um, we've got family photos of us with Dan Quayle, even. <laughs> um, it's one of my favorites, believe it or not, even though I'm, I'm a Democrat. It's just a hilarious <laughs> photo. So that's partly how it got started. But I became an activist when my sons were young. And oh, I have three children, uh, one daughter and two sons. And my sons are autistic. And they were diagnosed back in 2012, 2013, because they're a year and a half apart. And around that time, I started becoming more of an activist and following Bernie Sanders' career. And really, it sounds terrible to say this when you have a, a parent that's in politics, but it was actually Bernie that inspired me to run for office. So that's kind of, I guess, the short version of how I got involved in politics. Well, and I remember reading on your um, website, too, a little bit about your story about how you were trying to interact with your current state rep at the time and just the countless fruitless efforts just basically ticked you off so much that you decided to run for yourself. So can you tell us a little bit about that and how that frustrating exchange propelled you into running for office? Yes. um, Well, that was actually, gosh, what year was that? It was actually 2017. I was in school still full-time getting my teaching degree. And my son, my youngest son was told, we were told he was no longer going to qualify for his autism therapy. And I was like, well, this can't be right. You know, he's um, mostly nonverbal and I knew he still needed therapy. There was no way that he should be kicked off of it. So people told me, well, contact your state representative, Ron Tussler. So I did. And we, we set up a time to meet. Um, and I talked to him in person. I told him about my son's story about how I get badger care, how I'm in college getting my second bachelor's degree in education. And, you know, I don't have the ability to have a full-time job right now with benefits, et cetera. And badger care was supposed to take over for the waiver system in Wisconsin for autism services. And they were having some issues with that. And Ron Tussler said he knew it was an issue, the, the making the transition from the waiver to Badger Care. But there was, he said, literally nothing he could do and that his hands were tied. And I 100% remember this interaction with him. He claimed in one of our forums that we had that, that this never happened, that we never met, that we never talked about it because he doesn't have a phone log of it. Great. He called oh. me a liar. Um, oh, my God. <laughs> and I don't know how many people are willing to go around calling mothers liars about their children and their children's disability, but he clearly had no problem saying that when I ran against him. And, and after that interaction with him, I knew I wasn't ready to run yet, but I was like, I'm going to run someday against him because this is ridiculous. <laughs> you know, telling someone that there's nothing you can do when you know that there's a problem that isn't that their job. Isn't that, the purpose of government to make people's lives better. At least that's what I was always told. And considering the fact that I was raised by both a Democrat and a Republican, so my dad's a Republican, I guess I, it just, it appalled me to hear this from a Republican saying that that's not their job. Their job isn't to make life better. 
Well, so. and that's and that's the frustrating thing about this too. I mean, now granted, obviously we're in Wisconsin, so we have an abundance of Republicans, especially Republicans in elected office. So I'm right there with you where I've grew up with Republicans my entire life, but it's it was really disheartening and disillusioning to hear that that's the actual philosophy of Republicans and it was in this state where it's just, you know, I, I don't want to sound cliche, but the idea of do nothing Republicans is their literal philosophy. <laughs> so oh, it's, I feel the party has definitely made some major changes since probably about 2010. Which I was a big Scott really, Walker area. Yes. And, and I, and I'll say, you know, my dad lost his last campaign for state treasurer in 2006. I should know this. I, I was in college again at that time. I was going for a different degree. I have I have my bachelor's in business and my bachelor's in education. But um, yeah, I remember when my dad lost and we were all kind of shocked that he lost because he had done such a great job and the position of state treasurer wasn't super partisan at that time, but it was, things were starting, you know, it was 2006 and people were really still upset with George W. Bush. And Wisconsin has a long history of, kind of doing the pendulum thing, you know, where we're pissed off at one party. So then we go the other way, right? At least that's how it's been in Wisconsin. I want to say since like the nineties. So yeah, but the the Republican party is definitely, definitely not the same party anymore. At least not the party that my dad once belonged to. Well, it's the same that a lot of my family members would think as well, where they were proud Republicans that they just couldn't do it anymore because of how crazy and off the cliff this current Republican administration is. Yeah, for sure. So, and I know you're not necessarily in rural Wisconsin, but can you tell us a little bit about the makeup of Appleton, at least as of now, when it comes to demographics politically? And how did that really challenge your run for um, state assembly? Sure. So, well, Appleton is broken into three counties, um, which is kind of crazy to think about when we have less than 80,000 people living in Appleton. So majority of Appleton is in Outagamie County. And the portion of Appleton that I live in is Calumet County. And then the next smallest portion of Appleton is Winnebago. And I would say Appleton itself as a whole is relatively um, liberal. Uh, We just elected a new mayor in 2020, Jake Woodford. He's pretty young. He's in his early 30s. Um, He's younger than me. So you know how that goes. Um, <laughs> and our, for the most part, our city council was was relatively liberal. Now, this last election has been kind of interesting because we just had a, a city council election. It was, um, I want to say the odd number districts that were, because city council in Appleton, people are up for their term every two years. And we did see a number of um, more right-leaning people get elected. So I'm kind of surprised. It did not go as well as I was hoping, but you know, what are you going to do? I, one woman, she won by only two votes. Oh, wow. And we actually just had a resolution come up in Appleton on the city council of an anti-Asian hate resolution. Oh, sure. Yeah. No, no bills, no laws, no ordinances, nothing like that. And it got referred back to committee and it's become like a major issue. And I was at the committee meeting last night and luckily it passed the committee. But so many people came to speak in favor of the resolution as it was worded. But some of the people that these newly elected um, conservatives were the ones pushing to change the verbiage of 
the resolution because they they didn't like what was all in it. And overwhelmingly, um, Appleton has a, a, someone quoted last night saying that we have like seven percent of our population is AAPI, mm-hmm. um, majority being the Hmong um, community, and they were overwhelmingly in favor of this resolution to go forward as worded. It, it, like I said, it did pass um, the committee and now it's going to go back to the full city council. And I'm pretty sure it's going to pass, but I think we've got like at least three to four conservatives now on the city council. And I think they're, they're going to try to make things more difficult, I guess. Um, <laughs> and so, but I mean, there's 15 city council representatives, so they're outnumbered by quite a bit, but you know, gotta, you know, gotta, do what they are going to do. And, um, but for the most part, you know, I've lived, I've lived in Appleton my entire life. Um, I grew up in Outagamie County, but my whole adult life pretty much has been in Calumet County. Okay. So, um, it's interesting. It's it's very interesting to live in Appleton and not live in Outagamie County because so many people don't even realize that they live in Calumet County. Um, and I'm on the Calumet County board. Uh, I was elected to my board seat in 2020, and um, I ran unopposed. The former incumbent resigned back in November of 2019. I sit, you know, on the Calumet County Board, and it's very different than the Outagamie County Board. And so, uh, Calumet County is very rural, very okay. rural. In fact, the the biggest population within Calumet County is, if not Appleton residents, it's Harrison, but I, I want to say Appleton has more residents in Calumet County than any city, village, town, whatever you want to call um, the municipalities that are within Calumet County. So do you face a lot of hostility for being a progressive in a more rural county? <laughs> well, um, the, the Calumet County conservatives sure hate me. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> they, um, as, as soon as I decided to run for assembly and challenge Ron Tussler, they put out a big Facebook post like she's an avowed progressive and look at her with Bernie Sanders. She has her picture with Bernie <laughs> Sanders and she loves AOC and um it was kind of funny. You're an it was evil socialist. Yes, actually they you? did. They, they called me they call me a socialist, which is just hilarious because it's like, all right, well, you know, I'm gonna just slide into the uh, this, you know, the skid, whatever you want to call it, the yeah. curve. And I decided to get a shirt from AOC and I took a picture of it and I'm like, here you go. Why don't you <laughs> this next time? Um, <laughs> well, you know, and even like when we were talking to um, Jessica Katzenmeyer a couple of weeks ago, mm-hmm. you know, they were trying to do the same exact thing with her, calling her an evil socialist, you know, her radical socialist agenda. I'm like, good Lord, are you kidding me right now? <laughs> I mean, it's so at this point, it's just a buzzword. There, it means absolutely nothing at this point. I mean, oh, for sure. <laughs> so, and but now, like, speaking of social, let's dive into this stuff. Let's dive into the actual Badger Care expansion. So, sure, this socialism that we're talking right, the about. actual socialism <laughs> yeah. that you know it's going to save a lot of lives. So, recently, Governor Tony Evers proposed his 2021 to 2023 budget, and in it was a very large expansion to Badger Care, and a lot of the rationale was due to the fact that we could have saved, I think it was over $2.5 billion if we expanded Medicaid through the ACA back when the ACA was initially passed. Well, of course, we didn't take it because 
were run by GOP jerks. So they just decided to say, nope, screw our state. We're going to not take any of that money because we're way too fine on our own. So he wants to try to take advantage of that again, this time by seeking to expand coverage to over nine or 90,900 people in Wisconsin. What are your thoughts on if you've seen any of this budget proposal and the controversies around it? And how do you think this is looking for the future of Wisconsin? Well, I I hate to be a Debbie Downer, but until we get fair maps, it's not going to happen. The Republicans have 100% said this is a non-starter. So one of the things about being on county board is I get the privilege of listening in on certain things. Sure. And we had a listening session with um, the state legislature. God, when was that? I want to say, I swear, time has like lost all meaning with quarantine and being (laughs) able. Um, But it wasn't that terribly long ago. I want to say March. And they came out hot. The Republicans were Voss and Devin LeMayhew. Mm. um, Like, nope, this is a non-starter. We're not going to do this. And actually, I was just in a county board meeting. Now, I'm not on the Committee of Health and Human Services. That was my first choice, but I I was not put on that committee. But we still were able to listen in as county board members. We're allowed to listen in on any committee meeting that we want to. We don't get paid to do that, but you know that's okay because I think it's still important that we know what's going on. And I was listening in and they had a meeting with the state legislature with Andre Jacques, with Ron Tussler, and Devin LeMayhew decided to join in on it for whatever reason. I, I don't know. He doesn't represent Calumet County. He was there. He was present. I'll give him that. But uh, Andre Jacques was not. And neither was Ron Tussler. They had their staffers there. And they didn't say a peep. But one of the county board members, she specifically asked point blank, are we going to pass this expansion? And she's like, and say, you know, She's talking about saving, I think she said like two point something million. And I raised my hand because this was a, you know, a virtual event. Sure. Like I'm not to be rude, but I need to correct you. It's not two point something million. It's more than three billion dollars. In fact, the last time I looked, it was three point six four billion dollars. And I'm like, so yeah, what are you going to do? And LeMay, he was like, oh, well, we have pretty good health insurance in Wisconsin. Ah. We have some of the best health insurance in the country, so there's no need to expand it. And I'm like, you know, I, I'm sorry. I respectfully disagree. As someone who actually is on Badger Care, I can tell you right now, it is not as good as you seem to think it is. Is it better than nothing? Yeah. But is it great? No. Oh God, this is a topic I could I could really go on and on about. Um, well, good because that's why we have you on here. Well, <laughs> yeah, well let, let me quote true. from Voss directly um, from a Journal Sentinel article where he said that he plans to basically disregard the 1.6 billion dollars if we expanded our Medicaid. Quote: I think the state of Wisconsin has enough resources to be able to utilize to make sure we have all of our priorities funded, and we're not going to do it by expanding welfare. And then, like you said, he. <sighs> went on to call it a non-starter and a liberal wish list. So. Oh my God. Okay. First and foremost, Badger Care, when it comes to Badger Care, their dental and vision is shit. All right. I'm sitting here right now with a tooth that I got a root canal back in, oh, it got pushed off twice. And they told they, they drill into your tooth and they fill your, your you know, your um, roots. 
and then they drill it. Then they fill the hole that they drilled into my tooth back up. And I have to wait until June for them to finish it. That's insane. How is this good healthcare? And there's I, like, I was saying, let me point of order for here too. Where Evers budget proposal will expand dental access for Wisconsin. So I want to make that very clear for everyone too. So when we're talking about dental access right now, the idea is to expand this in the budget that GOP is currently rejecting. So sorry to interrupt. Yeah. yeah. You know, if they want to go to the free clinic and have Marquette students remove their teeth, because that's happened to me. (laughs) And then they, you know, screw up because they're Marquette students. You know, I get it. They got to learn. But let's, yeah, let's use poor people as guinea pigs for tooth extractions and have them accidentally like screw up and take out chunks of your jawbone. Sure. Let's do it. Let's, let's give this badger care to all the people that are on the state assembly and the state legislature. Well, it also just frustrates me the amount of resentment. And again, this is nothing new for anyone in Wisconsin, but the amount of resentment that the GOP has for people on the supposed welfare state, you know, they keep pushing the welfare myth. They keep pushing the idea that poor people should just, you know, pull themselves up by their bootstraps and just get better healthcare if they wanted to. Like, that's not how this works. Are you kidding me? No, it's not. And, you know, I mean, while the Affordable Care Act was helpful, it was a good first step, as Bernie likes to say, right? Mm -hmm. It still isn't enough. Badger care isn't enough. You know, it, it's great in the sense that it's allows you help. You know, I, I I don't want to sound like an ungrateful brat because if I didn't have badger care, I'd be really screwed. But, you know, at the same time, when you're sitting with dental work that needs to be done, you know, and vision, I have, I have glasses and okay. So they give you like five choices for free glasses. And if you don't like any of those choices, which usually they suck, you know, let's be real. And then you decide you want something nicer because it's still cheaper than contacts. Mm -hmm. You have to pay out of pocket quite a bit. Like I think the lenses for my glasses were free, but I still had to pay for the frames and you know, I didn't pick anything fantastic because I didn't have the money for it. I don't know how more we can demonize people that are poor. And for people in my shoes with children with disabilities and my sons get social security, you can't make a good income if you're going to get social security and if you're going to get Medicaid for kids with disabilities. But you need it because of all of the stuff that they need. And it's kind of like a revolving door or a this cycle, this horrible cycle that you find yourself in where you then have to turn down jobs or you can't make too much or you can't work too many hours because, oh my God, if I make, I remember, gosh, like my daughter, I had my daughter the year I graduated from high school and I married her dad and I went to college. I did all the things that Republicans tell you to do, you know, keep the baby, get married, go to college, better your life. And while I was in college, the first time we were getting we found out that I made a hundred that combined my husband and I at the time, he's no longer my husband, but at that time we combined made a hundred dollars a year too much for badger care. And they were going to kick us off if we, one of if one of us, and let's be real, it was me, didn't cut back on their hours. So I had to do that. I had to, so it's a negative incentive. You're mm-hmm. trying to work hard. You're trying to better your life. I was working part-time. He was working a full-time job. I was in school full-time. We had a kid. And $100 a year could have kicked us off of health insurance because neither of our jobs offered health insurance. That was back in, gosh, like 2000, 
three, 2004, whatever. But it, it's this negative incentive is what unfortunately better care is. And I feel like if we would expand it and try to find different ways to help people get off of it or to live with dignity, how is that a horrible thing? I, I just, oh, it just makes me so angry. Well, so. And, it, and it should, you know, and I, I want to bring up, so there was a report that was recently read out by the Legislative Fiscal Bureau, which is a nonpartisan group. And they talked about what would happen in Wisconsin if they accepted Biden's COVID relief bill stimulus. And that's where you hear a lot about the $1.6 billion up for stake over the next two years that Wisconsin could save if they accept these funds. But on top of that, like you just said, too, is that it'll also help with the eligibility for Badger Care, where if they accept these federal funds, we will actually increase our threshold by 138% for people who can now become eligible for Medicaid which is fantastic. Like we should do that. We should expand people to get those benefits while also making a decent wage at the same time where you shouldn't have to make the decision of, well, do I just take less hours of a job that I need more hours in versus getting healthcare for my family? So I think expanding would be the best idea possible, but we're just not convincing enough people to do so. And I don't get it because when I, when I was running and now I'm going to probably forget the names of all the states that took the Medicaid expansion, but there were some really conservative states. I believe Iowa was one of them. Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Yep. And if they can do it, then why can't we? What is so broken in Wisconsin? And, well, and I know the answer to this, <laughs> the gerrymandering, right? right? It's not having fair maps. It's not having our votes really be heard because when overwhelmingly as a state, we vote in favor of Democrats statewide. And typically most years we go Democrat for the presidential election. It's clearly gerrymandering. And now that I want to say it was North Carolina fixed their gerrymandered maps, we are now the most gerrymandered state in the country. That's mm-hmm. that's scary. That's really scary as to how extreme this state has become in just 10 years. Right. Well, then on top of that, the fact that You know, recent reports from the U.S. Census Bureau shows that even just due to population differences and people moving, I mean, Democrats are going to lose even more seats across the country because of this as well. So we're making an already hard job even harder. And then just for reference as well, um, talking about other states that were accepting this um, federal funds, Wisconsin is only one in 12 other states that did not accept funds from the stimulus from COVID. So like we are in the vast minority. What? Sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. I said, because it'd be socialism, right? If we did. Right, exactly. (laughs) So, and it's, it's infuriating too, because even from the same report from the fiscal legislative bureau, you know, Wisconsin is ranked 46 in per capita funding for healthcare. Like this is insanity. We're, we're screwing up on our infrastructure. We're not funding the proper things for actual roads and and, um, schools and things like that. We're not funding our people's livelihoods. What are we even doing then? What's the point of government if we're not going to invest in the people living here? You're right. There's no point. And, you know, I mean, speaking of education, that was my other big push of why I ran. I'm not currently teaching, but when I was student teaching, I saw how different our education system has gotten even since graduating high school. And I graduated high school in 2002. So, you know, I'm not not terribly, (laughs) not terribly out of the loop. And my mom's, my mom's a teacher. So I, you know, and then going to school for teaching myself and then student teaching and and seeing all of that and the the lack of funds and attention that we're putting into our education, we're, we're going to lose people 
in Wisconsin. Enough teachers have actually, since that was the other thing I was really passionate about was the reversal of Act 10. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so many people, the number of teachers that go through the teaching program has gotten much smaller. They had a horrible licensure program while I was in the process of getting my degree. And I mean, they since have changed that. So that's good. Hopefully we see some new changes, but I really would like to see Act 10 reverse and have us put more money into public education. But I was just listening in on, I'm a part of a group in Appleton, it's called Fox City Education Advocate. And we had a speaker the other day, it was actually, was it just Tuesday? Again, time has lost all meaning, but it was this week. (laughs) So um, it's only Thursday, what the hell? (laughs) Anyway, um, but they were talking about the amount of money that we put into per student. And this voucher program is killing us. And that was an, another thing. I, I actually got a lot of flack for my my strong stance against vouchers. I hate vouchers. It's a drain on our public education. And as a mother of, of children with special needs, you know, we're already not reimbursing special education enough. It's reimbursed at 25%. And Evers is looking to up that to 60%. And um, before I decided to run for assembly, I also asked Ron Tussler about that. I said, you know, you really need to vote in favor of this. And he's like, well, I don't like how it gives too much control to the teachers and the schools. And it's like, oh what? my God, you're a Republican. Aren't you supposed to want more local control? Aren't you want more in, you know, personal responsibility? But that was another big non-starter that they're, you know, the Republicans are throwing out. We're not going to put more money into our education program, but well, they want private schools and religious schools, right? They oh, don't, yes. They want to kill funding for public school. That's the for ultimate sure. plan. The, yes. And then the dumbing down of America can be complete and we can have idiocracy here. But that's a real big issue, too, because even when you're talking about, we'll say, comparisons of public schools to public schools, within a couple of counties away from each other, you're seeing vast disparities of resources available to these students. You know, like um, now I'm not sure how exactly how it is up in Appleton. I'm sure it's pretty darn similar down by in Milwaukee County where I live, where literally you go one town over and the schools are dramatically different from each other. Um, Yeah, I would say that here. Uh, Most people think of the best public schools are Kimberly or Nina because of their sports programs. (laughs) Um, But sports do not make the school. And, you know, I'm not disparaging Kimberly or Nina. Please don't think that I'm doing that. They (laughs) actually have pretty decent schools. It's interesting because what I was going to say is on average for public students, our state gives about $5,000 per year for public regular ed kids. We're talking about here, not special ed, regular ed. Now, when that child decides to go to a private institution or a parochial school, what have you, and use voucher dollars, we spend, it was like $8,600 per student to send them to a private or voucher school. And now they have this new program for kids that have special needs, but not ones that are, okay, and I, and I hate to say this because I know the autism community does not like using terms such as functioning levels, mm-hmm. but within the school system, and this is what I was taught, going into teaching is there's levels of of disability, severe, disabled, et cetera, right? Mm-hmm. So we're not talking kids that are severely disabled, those that are nonverbal, that are, you know, not toilet trained, et cetera. But there is a voucher program now for special ed kids, and it's 
$12,000 a year. Oh, my God. With special needs to schools that aren't able to even fully accommodate them anyways because their teachers are not prepared. And this is why I was just so irate because it's, like I said, it's pulling money out from public schools. It's hurting my children, my kids that need special education and their teachers aren't being, the programs aren't being reimbursed at even remotely. And that's another thing too with Badger Care. Okay. So why I found out they didn't want my son to no longer, they wanted my son to no longer get services autism services through Badger Care is these autism providers are saying Badger Care isn't reimbursing them at a rate that they're able to break even or make a profit on. So they're no longer accepting kids with Badger Care. That was the issue in 2017. And they gave us a month's notice that they were ending his therapy. And, And I'm like, why? And they're like, well, Badger Care doesn't pay us enough. So you need to get private insurance. Oh my God. It's like, but we were told there was no longer a waiver and that better care was supposed to cover this and that we should have care for this. So it's, it's a huge mess. It's just, it's, oh, it just makes you sick. <laughs> so <laughs> now again, I'm not expecting anything super insane. I'm not going to say, can, okay, how would you solve the entire Medicare debate? But if you had, we'll say decision-making powers, no GOP at your disposal, what do you think Wisconsin should be doing? It was to move the healthcare problems we have right now forward? Well, if I had a magic wand and I could fix everything and, you know, I was supreme ruler of the world. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) I'd have to actually, the federal government would need to step in and they would need to enact universal healthcare. But, you know. Just like the rest of the civilized world. Yes, exactly. And, but unfortunately that's, there's, you know, there's Republicans, there's gridlock, there's, that's not going to happen anytime soon. But I feel like expanding better care Sadly, I mean, it's not even doing everything that it could do. And Medicaid still sucks, all right? It's, but it'd be nice to just have some, some progress, some just throwing people a small little bone. Ugh, I don't know. They're, they're, we just need a universal health care, period. <laughs> that, that, that's it. That, that's my answer is we need universal health care. And we need it. We needed it 10, 20, 30 years ago. It's yeah. <laughs> well, so then let, let me ask you, I mean, and, and that's a perfect segue going into more of the national healthcare debate. So obviously you already said that you liked Bernie Sanders. I'm assuming you supported him. I'm not going to speak for you though, but oh, yeah, I did. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I love Bernie. He was like my script. When I got to meet him, I got my picture taken with him and then he replaced my fiance on my phone. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you, how do you feel about Biden's performance on healthcare so far, and do you think that his approach is decent, good, or is it still not nearly enough in what we need to be doing in this country? Uh, you know, that's so hard because that is a hard question. You know, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> he's still just he, what he's just a hundred days in yep. as of today. Today, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so I want to give him the benefit of the doubt. I mean, he was not my first choice. He was not my second choice. He was not even my third choice. But <laughs> I, I did vote for him because he was better than Trump. So I, I'm trying not to be that person, you know, that's like, ah, we need to, at the same time, you know, if Bernie were president, he would have addressed this within the first hundred days. And I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic um, that maybe it'll get better. Okay. But I do know that during, you know, that was a big thing during the debates that 
that Biden wasn't for universal health care. And I like using the term universal health care better than Medicare for all. And I know this can be a sticking point, especially with some of my progressive friends. They they get mad at me that I don't want to say Medicare for all. But Medicare isn't that great. Medicaid isn't that great. We need universal health care. And we need to change the narrative because the Republicans keep making these talking points. And, and I think a lot of people might have a bad opinion of Medicare anyway, just because exactly your usual idea is like, oh, it's only for older people. It doesn't really cover that much. Mm-hmm. I think that's the, the more common thought. So when you say Medicare for all right away, people say, well, no, because a lot of doctors don't take Medicare patients, all the other issues. Whereas if we didn't have private insurance and the billions and billions of dollars that they make off of the medical industry to begin with, you would be able to have a much more robust healthcare system and pay a lot less for it, like the rest of the world. And we're the only country that pays twice as much and gets half the healthcare out of it because we have the private insurance industry that makes huge profits in the middle there. What I would say to that, though, Jason, is even though I, I again, I, I to- right, you're close enough. <laughs> Even though I totally agree with both of what you're saying, I will say that when you look at opinion polls, Medicare for all does generally poll very well as a term. Now, when you look at Medicare for all and like as far as policies go, when that's asked, like, would you want to raise taxes to pay for these things? That's where Medicare for all usually drops off. But as far as branding itself goes, Medicare for all as a term usually is pretty popular. However, I totally agree with what you're um, saying, Emily, because- there is still baggage to be dealt with when it comes to like associations with Medicare. True. Yeah. I mean, I, one way or the other, it doesn't really matter as long as we get. Just give me my freaking healthcare. <laughs> yes, exactly. Thank you. Like, please don't make me sit here for months with a tooth that needs to be finished. Right. <laughs> it's um, root canal because you know that, and that's what it comes down to is what is it going to do to help people? But again, that's that. If you want to get to the root cause of why I ran for office is to help people. It's why I wanted to become a teacher. It's not about money because, well, it's I would have made if I was in the state assembly. But even then, like some people go into politics for the wrong reasons. And it really needs to be about helping people. And that's what getting either Medicare for all or universal health care, whatever the heck you want to call it. This is what we need. This is what we deserve. And they love to be, the Republicans love to say, oh, we're the greatest country in the world. Okay. (laughs) My liberal education has told me, no, we're not. That means you Um, hate America. How dare you? (laughs) No, I don't hate America, but I have been (laughs) to other countries. And, you know, I've seen, and, and, and I think education is the key in all of this. When people are more educated, when they know better, they do better, right? It's, it's really just that simple. So it's all tied together. And I, I just don't understand why this is so hard, why this has to be so hard. What is it about helping people that discuss Republicans and these Republicans? And I, and I, and I hate to, to paint them all with a broad brush because my, my, my dad is my favorite Republican. I've always voted for him. You know, he may not be involved in politics anymore. So I I don't like saying that kind of stuff because it makes me sound like I don't care for my father or, you know, him. But he, he's not the same. The Republican Party isn't the same as, like I said before, as it used to be. So 
Well, I don't I, hate every Republican. <laughs> I don't. Well, and I, I'm a, now you don't have to tell us too much detail about your personal life, but out of curiosity now, like I'm sure you've had discussions about this with your Republican dad. So like, how does your dad feel about your positions and just your overall political viewpoints on stuff like this? Well, we don't always see eye to eye, obviously, but he's told me before that he's very proud of me for standing up and wanting to do something and wanting to make a difference. And he he's happy. He, he said, he has said, I'll make you a Republican someday. And I'm like, dad, <laughs> I get more liberal the older I get. So good luck with that. No, but um, <laughs> if that day is 1862, then sure. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I, I think overall, you know, he did have a he did have a, a a role in me wanting to get involved in politics. And while Bernie may have been the thing that lit the fire in me to to actually run, you know, seeing my dad and knowing that it's possible for people like us to be in politics where we're not extremely wealthy, you know, we're not millionaires, we're not <laughs> anything like that. And and you're able to run and you're able to to do what you can to help others. That's that's a huge thing. So I, I will give them some credit Good. for love of politics and my love of debate and all of that. So Awesome. The more regular people we can get in politics, the better. Honestly. Right. I was just gonna say that too. When we talk about healthcare, my favorite slash least favorite Republican talking point is always, oh, people love their insurance. Like, have you ever been? Uh, have you ever not been rich? I mean, regular people hate their insurance. My insurance is terrible. I still have to pay oh. thousands of dollars when I go to the doctor for anything. Oh, for sure. And that's on top of paying thousands and thousands of dollars a year in insurance premiums. Exactly. Like when I used to, my first job out of college, I was working for JJ Keller. It's a company around here in Nina. And I mean, it was, it was at the time, my husband, my daughter and me, and I, I don't remember how much my premium was every month. There was, you know, it was a couple hundred bucks at least. I think I want to say I paid probably like maybe like $400 a month for insurance. And then we had our deductible and our co-pays and, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't terrible, but I'd rather have more money taken out in taxes and have everyone get covered and get quality healthcare. And, and actually, I mean, I'm trying to remember exactly what it was, but if you haven't ever read Bernie's books, you should. And he talks about how it actually would save us money yeah, for universal health Trillions. Quite a lot. And yeah. because yeah. our employers wouldn't have to pay half of it, it would also save them. Which money. is one of the biggest pro-capitalist small business <laughs> arguments you could make. Ah! <laughs> yep, pretty much. So, you know, it, it, it actually, you know, they talk about fiscal con- responsibility and being fiscally conservative all the freaking time. And yet they're constantly doing things that aren't fiscally conservative, right? right. Like it's not expanding badger care and not getting back in taxes one point whatever billion dollars it is right now. You know, that's not fiscal conservative. It's just petty politics. That's all it is. Yeah. They try to yeah. destroy the state just so they can complain about it to everyone and say, look how bad the Democrats are doing so they can get in power and then just pass more tax cuts. That's it. That's all it is. That's it. been their strategy for the last, what, like 40 years now. <laughs> it's not changed. Yeah. They just it's gotten the, crazier. That's it. It's the do nothing and then blame it on the other side for not having cleaned up their mess. Literally. You know? And then talk about how government doesn't work. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, oh God, you know, as someone who's gone into education and and history is actually, so I I went for my degree in secondary education, broad field social science with a minor in history, an emphasis in economics, political science, and sociology. Wow. And the, the history, the political science, the more I learned, the more I just can't stand Ronald Reagan. Like I, his attack on government. It's like, it's that whole, I'm going to get into this to do nothing because government doesn't work. And actually the the last Republican state treasurer did that exactly here in Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. I don't even remember his name because he didn't do anything. So why would I have remembered it? <laughs> he ran on a, on a platform that he was going to eliminate the position and then it didn't get eliminated yet. He still got to like collect $70,000 a year to sit in the basement of the Capitol and do Jack. Talk like, about welfare. Well, and that's, yeah. and that's what makes me so angry. Who's too. the welfare queen now? No right? kidding. Well, no. and that's what makes me so angry too is where, so I've been to multiple town halls in my area. Now, granted, all my representatives for state and state Senate are Democrats. Obviously, because mm-hmm. I'm in South Side, Milwaukee County. But what makes me so <laughs> angry is that people will come in and they'll tell them exactly what's going on and say, we can't do anything. I'm sorry. Like I, I want to do all these cool things. Hey, you guys want marijuana to be legalized? Cool. Well, we can't do it. Hey, you want Badger Care to be expanded? Cool. We can't do it. I'm really sorry, but this is what we want to do too, and we can't do anything. And they will go back and say, well, why are you in Congress then? Why are we paying your salary? I'm like, they're the ones who are trying to do things. Stop electing people who are not doing anything. That's the problem. So it just it frustrates me that Democrats are getting hit, like Jason said, with this whole attack of government not working because Republicans are choosing to break the system. Well, that's why we need fair maps. Now, <laughs> this was an interesting thing with the forum. So I wasn't able to do an actual debate with Ron Hustler. I really wish I could have. That would have been cool. It, yeah, it would have been great. So we did this League of Women Voters Forum, and we were asked at the end, like, what's the, your number one first priority if you're elected? And he got to go first, and he said, fair maps. And I don't remember what his second thing was, but I was just so flabbergasted that yeah. he said fair maps. And Then I got asked and I'm like, well, that's, you know, hey, we actually agree on something. Fair maps is exactly what I want to see, because then without fair maps, we won't get to do anything, you know, and we need to end the gerrymandering in our state, blah, blah, blah. So I've been, I haven't been bird dogging him as much as I would like, (laughs) just for my own sanity. Um, But other people that I know have been. And when I conceded, I didn't call him because I didn't have his number and it didn't really matter. But when I wrote on Facebook, you know, thanking my volunteers and for all the help that I got and to my family and everything. I said, Ron promised fair maps when he got reelected. Hold to it. And I am going to hold him to this. Yeah. And I'm I'm really I'm quite concerned because that's the other thing we've been focusing on here in um County McCounty. We we've had a couple of county board meetings about this, about the maps. And because of COVID and blah, 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 whatever BS reason the federal government was giving when Trump was still president, we weren't going to get our our data right away. So we should be scared because we're not going to know what the new state legislature maps for assembly and state Senate are going to look like until almost right before candidates can start collecting signatures. Yep. And on top of that, the way maps usually are created is you start with the municipalities first, the your cities, villages, towns, et cetera. And then county board goes next because they can't 
draw county board lines where you have more than one like you can't my my county board district is all of the Appleton Ward 13. So if I need to take on more residents because you know we've had an increase in population this is just for instance they can't draw my map to have me have all of ward 13 and have a portion of ward 12 that's not how it works i have to have continuous all of 13 all of 12 whatever what have you so we're going to be doing it ass backwards and the city is going to go last the county in the middle and the state legislature first oh And this is not how it's supposed to be. But there's an actual law in place about when the legislature has to have these maps in place. But there is no law in place about when county boards. So now we've discussed as not just our county, but all of the Wisconsin counties. So there's the Wisconsin Counties Association. And by the way, the Wisconsin Counties Association is overwhelmingly in favor of Evers budget because we still have to provide all these services to people, whether we have the funding for it or not. Very true. Um, we are the extension of the state legislature. Um, people don't give county boards enough credit. They really need to be paying more attention to us, by the way. But anyways, so we might not change our map for the counties until after the election. So we may be using the old maps in 2022. Ugh. Oh, God. For counties. And I, I have no idea how this is going to impact. And you know the Republicans, they've got this, they've hired this lawyer They've got these maps that they're going to put forth. And you know, we're not, Evers isn't probably going to sign on. Go with them. Yeah. Yeah. He's probably going to veto. So, what does this mean? How are people supposed to decide to run? Like, I've been thinking about running again. Uh, in fact, actually, when I, when I conceded, I said, I'm going to do this again. I'm going to run again. So, the question is, is what district am I going to be in? Right. Who am I going to be running against? It's possible because Ron Tussler doesn't live like insanely close to me or anything. He's, you know, out in Harrison and I'm in Appleton. I could be drawn into a completely, the Republicans could be so pissed off at me that they might be like, we're not going to draw her. We're going to draw her out of Ron's district. This, this makes it very hard for the Democrats if they're not the incumbent to run. Oh, Lordy. So this is, we're in for a huge show. I'm sorry. I've been swearing too much. No, it's okay because the feelings are real and that's what I care about. (laughs) (laughs) Good. All right. Well, (laughs) I also just realized that we are actually way over time. So, oh geez. <laughs> um, I, I <laughs> fun. Yeah, I seriously apologize for that. But if anyone wants to find you online, where can they go? I guess I, I still have my Facebook page for my campaign for Assembly District Three, Emily Voigt. I still have my website, emilyvoigt.org. <laughs> I have my personal Facebook, but I, I wouldn't recommend <laughs> friending <laughs> that way. Um, I'm on Twitter still. I'm not, I'm not as active as I used to be because, you know, I've, I've got kids and I, I have a life and county board does pick up some of my time, but I'm, I'm watching and I'm, I'm learning and I'm, I'm, I'm excited to run again. So I'll, I'll be there. I'll, I'll be running for something. And I definitely will be running for reelection for my county board seat. Good. So. so for all of our listeners, please check out Emily's stuff online. Again, she is an awesome person to follow. I follow her on Facebook. Um, as well. I don't follow on Twitter because I don't use Twitter. I apologize. But um, as far as everything else, please go and support her. Do what you can because, and seriously, do everything she just said. Check out the Wisconsin Fair Maps Coalition because we need Fair Maps before anything can happen. And also write your legislators to make sure we get our damn health care. <laughs> so, yes, please 
do. Thank you. And and use those words too, because dang it, Bernie says damn all the time. Right. <laughs> so, but seriously, Emily, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And I would love to have you back on sometime in the future. Thank you. I would love to be on again. All right. We can talk about more about education. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening. We hope to see you in the next episode. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at ThinkProPod. You can email us at ThinkProPod at gmail.com. And remember, when in doubt, think progressively. Good. I'm so glad you could join us and talk about a thousand. Uh, oh, good God. <laughs> <laughs> also, keep... you all good then, Jason? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm going to be preoccupied this entire time. <laughs> if you don't hear from me, I'm sorry. I'm still trying to do anything <laughs> okay. I can. It's all right. We'll, we'll be talking. Um, That's fine. <laughs> all right.